Welcome, everybody, to the Track Kitchen. I'm Jeff Bacor alongside Jim Perry. And here on the Track Kitchen, we talk all things Kentucky. We focus mainly on horse racing and bourbon. But today, we're pleased to have with us the Commissioner of Agriculture for the state of Kentucky, Dr. Ryan Quarles. And Dr. Quarles, before we get started, I got to say, you're first elected back in 2015, but in 2019, you reelected, winning 117 of 120 counties. What happened with the other three counties? You know, you try so hard in Kentucky, but I love our state. We have 120 counties, and I've been to every single one of them multiple times. And, uh, hey, I can tell you we're the best places to eat and, more importantly, the best restrooms uh, along the way. That That's great. I, I like that. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, of horse racing, obviously, on this show, being named aptly the, the track kitchen. We also talked about bourbon, the horse industry, yeah. the uh, ag industry, the cows, everything. And you, you, that all comes under you. So you're the perfect person to talk about this. I think the first thing I'd like to talk about you with is something, uh, uh, you know, what used to be called Commonwealth Stadium. And it's yeah. not Commonwealth Stadium anymore because of, I think, one of the initiatives that you guys have brought on in the government here in Kentucky about the Kentucky Proud. And talk a little bit about what that's done and what that's done for the state. That's right. When people buy Kentucky Proud, they know they're supporting a Kentucky farm family. We have 76,000 farms in Kentucky and over 10,000 Kentucky Proud members. It is our state's most successful marketing program. And so when people go to Kroger Field or right next door to it, the University of Kentucky baseball team plays at the Kentucky Proud Stadium. This is a big win for us. And so especially on the holiday season, we're trying to promote buying local. Kentucky Proud is usually on on the, uh, the tip of the tongue when we try to promote what's best about Kentucky agriculture. And, hey, it's not just about food. It's also about distilled uh, corn, otherwise known as bourbon. It's our wine industry. It's our protein. And it's also uh, uh, crafts and things along the way. So Kentucky Proud really puts our state on the map, unlike others. I think one of the initiatives that you kind of set forth since you've been in there, you, you've tried to combat hunger. So talk about that a little bit. And also – uh, getting that Kentucky proud out, not only in Kentucky, but in neighboring states as well. That's right. It's un, it's so unfortunate, especially with COVID. So many folks out of work and we are, we are hoping for the great American comeback where we can get uh, ourselves back up on our feet, get Kentuckians back employed. But unfortunately this holiday season, one in five fellow Kentuckians are food insecure, meaning they may not have access to food. And so we did something very simple a few years ago, we started what's called the Kentucky Hunger Initiative, which connected our farmers and ag community with our food banks. And so food that may otherwise may not make it to a grocery store and rot in the field, we're, we're saying, hey, let's, let's go ahead and harvest it. Let's get it into the hands of the food bank and give it to Kentucky. And so they have access to quality, buy local Kentucky proud food. And then, hey, when we get back up on our feet, hopefully this next year, perhaps they become consumers of Kentucky proud as well. And so that's the whole point of helping our holiday, helping out those less fortunate during the holidays with the Kentucky Hunger Initiative. I think that kind of piggybacks a little bit on our, our the, the children of the Commonwealth who right now aren't going to school and, you know, are doing yeah. the remote learning. And a lot of them are fed two meals a day at school, which they're not getting now. That's right. And that's another unfortunate uh, side effect of COVID where our school system is being shut down. You know, I personally think that we can safely I'll reopen our schools because I think you have better learning outcomes and our, our children have access to nutrition that they otherwise may not getting it may not get at home and look before the pandemic one in five school children were food insecure and we can only assume that number has gone up 
And so since March, we have been boots on the beach, making sure that our food service providers at our schools are able to pass out lunches and breakfasts legally, but we still know there's an unmet need in Kentucky. And it's not just a rural issue, it's an urban issue as well. Let's make sure we give these kids the nutrition they need so they can keep on learning. We're talking with Dr. Ryan Corals, the Commissioner of Agriculture in the state of Kentucky. And uh, along those lines, it looks like you're going to have to feed a lot more people. So tell me a little bit about some of the new technologies that you guys are working on here in the state to provide simply more food. That's right. You know, agriculture is not what my grandfather would recognize today when those cows, plows, and sows during World War II. You know, today uh, it's about digitizing. It's about autonomous machinery. It's about scalability and being more uh, sustainable as well. And so we're fortunate in Kentucky. We have the we have the farm machinery show every every spring where the latest and greatest from John Deere and the other implement dealers come to Kentucky from around the world to showcase what the latest is. We've we've here in Kentucky, we've even have sent hemp seeds to the International Space Station on a SpaceX rocket. We have a large scale greenhouse being built uh, in eastern Kentucky that that is going to attempt to have a, a big presence with the buy local movement. And we have strong research universities, whether it be UK, UofL, our comprehensives, and even our, our KCTCS system are helping implement new technologies really at the nano level, the field level. And I think that this is a much needed movement because we have to double the amount of food we're going to produce in the world in the next 30 years. And we have to do it now. You talked about those large scale greenhouses and, you know, you used to drive down the road and you'd see the when the corn's as high as an elephant's eye, you t- you go to pick it. That's that's not the case anymore. How did those work, and and what do they do to to uh, I, I don't know if it's fast line the, the, those different yeah. uh, different foods to to be ready to to put on someone's table. So this is not a new concept. We actually have three or four large greenhouses in Kentucky. Uh, the most prominent of which is App Harvest, which is coming online as we speak. The largest greenhouse in North America. But the idea here is to borrow what's going on in the Netherlands where there's a large greenhouse presence and really use Kentucky's assets to our advantage. We're within one day's drive of two thirds of the population in the U.S. and we're within one day's flight, a two hour flight from all 48 continental states. And that's why UPS is here, DHL, Amazon in Northern Kentucky. We also have a great a work environment when it comes to agriculture. We have the know-how and the skills, the down-home uh, uh, background so that we know how to not only raise livestock but grow crops but we already have such a history because look when you travel the world and you say you're from Kentucky they ask you about three things Kentucky fried chicken racehorses and bourbon and all the all three of those are agriculture products and so we already have an advantage with exporting Kentucky proud and exporting agriculture excellence outside of the boundaries of the commonwealth. I know another uh, new stream is hydroponics and aquaponics. It's used some up here in Northern Kentucky, and I have a uh, special needs son who actually works at a uh, aquaponics farm up here. Uh, how is that being uh, integrated into the systems too, or are we doing that at the state level yet? Yes, we are. And in fact, we have about 40 aquaponics or aquaculture uh, operations across the state, raising everything from tilapia to catfish and even caviar. Did you know that Kentucky has a caviar uh, industry, and so it continues to grow. It's a sustainability issue, and I think long term, there's a lot of momentum, particularly among those of the millennial class, like myself, that want to help integrate systems. And uh, they and they're still trying to figure out exactly what the scalability of these uh, 
units are. But just as recently as last week, we welcomed yet we welcomed yet another aquaponics company here to Kentucky. And so we want to make sure that we're not just focusing on beef and poultry, which are our, our, our big uh, protein sources, but also have opportunity uh, for those thinking outside the box here in Kentucky. Dr. Quarles, tell me a little bit about gene editing techniques and, and what is that and why is that so important now? Well, gene editing has been occurring naturally, whether you like it or not, for thousands of years. Uh, since we first domesticated crops 10,000 years ago, due to natural selection, genes have been changed in crops. If you look at what corn used to look like uh, in ancient times, it does not look like what it does today. But gene editing in the modern sense it basically accelerates what would happen in nature uh, already. Now, there's some caveats to this, but the most recent technology is very acceptable. Uh, it's already being used in healthcare industries. It's, it's being used in agriculture. It's called CRISPR, and this basically allows for natural editing to occur at an accelerated pace. I know it gets a little complicated, but, uh, but I think that these are the types of technology that, number one, we're going to need. We're going to feed a growing world population with less land and less resources. But secondly, we got to make sure we educate the public about the safety uh, uh, behind this technology as well. And so that's something we got to do a little bit better job of here in Kentucky. I know as a state, you're always trying to find different revenue streams and stuff. And we talked a little about, about Kentucky Proud. What is that e- economic uh, input? What has that meant to the state and, and, and how has it helped? Well, just recently, we uh, marked an achievement with the Kentucky Proud program, 10,000 Kentuckians are now members of the Kentucky Proud program selling underneath our banner. We can only guess that they sell well over a half billion dollars of goods each year underneath the Kentucky Proud banner. And hey, it's probably a lot more. And even in the equine industry, if you go to uh, a racetrack and you see a Kentucky Proud symbol next to a horse, you know that horse was bred and fed here. And so it's not just about consumable goods, but it's also an identity for the state. And to be honest with you, uh, the, the, the value of the Kentucky Proud logo is priceless because 80% of Kentuckians know and identify what that logo is. Just go out and ask a, a private company what they would, how things would be different if they had an 80% name ID on their logo. So we're really proud of that, but we're also making sure we protect the brand as well. All right, let's, since you mentioned the horse racing industry, let's jump into that a little bit. Obviously, it's our bread and butter in the state of Kentucky, but how has it been impacted by what has gone on over the last what, 12, 16 months? And where do you see it going in the future? I know you've already opened the door back up to China to do some exporting with our racehorses there, but what do you see the the foreseeable future with that? Well, number one, as many people spend a little bit more time at home, I hope that they're watching horse racing as well. We know that there has been a resurgence, especially since American Pharaoh, uh, for and, and justify for a new generation to get excited with a sport that's been around for ages. Look, my grandfather was a thoroughbred trainer up at Turfway Park and actually uh, had a few winners up there. And so it's important that we get young people excited about this industry that really is a signature industry in our state. And during COVID-19, I'm so proud that Keeneland was able to host the Breeders' Cup. I was there. It was, it was an exciting day for our state. And it's also important that we did have a Kentucky Derby as well. And so when other sports have canceled, we've been able to piece it together it may not have been the event that we wished for or hoped for it to be, but there's no asterisk next to Kentucky when it comes to horse racing. And, and going forward, we have to make sure that we maintain our competitive edge, that when people think about horses, they think about Kentucky, 
And that means not just here in the United States, but it also means those international buyers and players in the industry, which oftentimes come here a few weeks out of the year and help uh, bolster an economy that is really unique to Kentucky. As, as Jim Perry knows, how important is it to open up those international doors again because of what you're just talking about? Obviously, we just had the phasic Tipton sale. We've had yep. the November sale at, at Keeneland and stuff. How important was that to the economy of the state as well? Well, a lot of folks, when you think about horse racing and horse farms, they have this misnomer that it's these large farms owned by uh, very wealthy people. And yes, there are some of those and they're very beautiful pieces of property, but the horse farm in Kentucky is a family owned operation. And so without sales like Phasic Tipton or Keeneland, uh, that could have dramatically impacted uh, the revenue for what we would consider uh, small family farms here in Kentucky. So it's important that we continue to promote an industry that really puts us on a map, just like the bourbon industry does. And for when it comes to my office, it's making sure that we have the safety protocols, the disease mitigation, because we actually do have jurisdiction over uh, horse diseases here in Kentucky through my office. And so when there's no news, that's good news, because we want to make sure that we are open for business or open for sales and open for race days here in Kentucky. But I cannot emphasize enough that, uh, that when we look at agriculture in Kentucky, it's not just about growing crops or raising livestock. It's also the horse industry, which brings in over $4 billion of revenue each year. And that does not include the racetracks. That is just the horse industry buying and selling and all the goods and services that come along with it. The, 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 the industry had kind of, I want to say, kind of gone down a little bit, maybe even flatlined a little bit. And then, you, as you said, American Pharaoh Justify kind of brought yep. some excitement. And then we've had the issues we've had over the last 16, 18 months with the COVID and stuff. Is there a silver lining? Um, you know, with the Derby was able to go out kind of without yep. a hitch. Um, then you had the Breeders' Cup and you had so many people watching and wagering through television sites and things like that. What do you see in the foreseeable future to continue this this blossoming effect of the thoroughbred industry in the state and the addition here of Turfway Park being built to the tune of a couple hundred million dollars? It's going to be a, a gleaming racetrack up here in Northern Kentucky. Well, I'm so proud about the investments in Turfway. You know, my mother actually worked there when she was in high school, led horses around uh, when she wasn't in school. And so we actually have a very strong connection to the horse industry. And even today, we sell a lot of hay to the equine industry. I think the silver lining for not just equine, but agriculture in general, is that as the, as the pace of life more or less slowed down in 2020, people got back in touch with their roots. They got back into their kitchens. They're cooking more with Kentucky Proud Ingredients. And yes, uh, if, if, instead of watching live sports, which may be canceled any given week because of of certain uh, uh, health outbreaks, et cetera. Uh, the horse racing industry has continued to go. You can turn your TV on just about any day and get a piece of the action. And we want to make sure that as many horses as possible have Kentucky roots because that only reinforces the economy here. But again, I think with Justified American Pharaoh, it really has uh, sparked the ignition of a young generation uh, that wants to go back to the race courses, race tracks in person. And hopefully during COVID-19, they're watching it online as well. Here on the Track Kitchen, we're talking with Dr. Ryan Quarles, the Commissioner of Agriculture in the state of Kentucky. And since we brought up COVID-19, let me ask you this. What has the effects been on the agricultural side of things? I, we, always, we know what it does to the human beings. Does it do, what, what are the effects there? It's mainly been economic. And 2020 would have been the year for international trade, if not being overshadowed by COVID-19. 
trade agreement with Japan, which by the way, big racehorse buyers, big uh, new uh, trade protocol called phase one with China. Again, racehorse buyers, uh, and it's not just thoroughbreds, it's also saddlebreds and quarter horses, et cetera. We have a new agreement with Canada and Mexico with USMCA. And right now, our negotiators are actually trying hard to finish a deal with the United Kingdom with Brexit on the horizon. And so COVID-19 overshadowed some gains that I think that we inevitably would have had with trade. But here domestically, we saw some strains on our food systems. And if you go back to April, you may have saw some bare shelves in your grocery stores. And that's just an airy, weird feeling. This is America that you don't see these sorts of pictures. But fortunately, we were able to work our way through that backlog. There was never a food shortage in America, but it shows you the resiliency of not just the American farmer, but our food production system that made sure that Americans did not go to bed hungry. And we're going to continue to do that through what we know is going to be a difficult winter. Let's talk a little bit now about the bourbon industry. It's a, you, you mentioned the three things that people think about. When, whenever I go anywhere, people always say, wow, do you have any uh, you know, Kentucky bourbon? And then they watch the TV show Justified, and everybody now yeah. wants Blanton's bourbon everywhere you go. But uh, talk a little bit about the impact that's had on the state of Kentucky, especially recently. It's just gone through the roof, hasn't it? Yes, bourbon is growing at a double-digit rate every single year for the past 10 years at least. We have over 70 distilleries in Kentucky. They're not all made equally, but as the craft uh, bourbon industry continues to grow, you're starting to see more emphasis on small batches, unique brands. There definitely is a collector community, not just in Kentucky, but worldwide. And, and as long as it says Kentucky on the side of the bottle, I'm happy. Uh, they, and by law, you have to have at least 50% of your mash bill must be corn and so my goal the past five years is to connect our corn growers here in Kentucky with our bourbon distilleries across the state. And guess what? We've seen a 65% increase in the amount of Kentucky corn going into our state's signature drink and being liquefied. They buy, get this, 9 million bushels of Kentucky corn every single year and disguise the limit. And so we're going to continue to work with them. And guess what? It puts a little extra money into the back pockets of our Kentucky farmers as well. You mentioned worldwide. There's been some international companies that have come in and, and kind of, I don't want to say gobbled up, but bought some of these. How has that helped the state? Well, you know, we when it comes to the private sector, you know, those are their own business decisions. But, but one of the side effects of seeing this FDI, foreign direct investment, is that you've seen massive investments into distilleries. And, and I, I hate to play favorites, uh, but let, let me give you just one example uh, with Diageo and Bullet. Bullet is the fastest growing bourbon brand among millennials in the United States. Uh, they have two new facilities on the way. They're buying 100% Kentucky corn. And so as, as uh, what used to be well-known, little well-known secrets in Kentucky and are now major international brands. And so during normal years when I travel the world selling our state, uh, oftentimes I bring a bottle to a bourbon with me. Uh, to help uh, crack the ice, so to say. And, and for me, it doesn't matter what brand's on the side, as long as it's Kentucky Proud Bourbon, we're happy. And it continues to be a big employer. 20,000 people employed in the bourbon industry here in Kentucky alone, and over 10 million barrels being aged right now. Do you know where I could find some Weller anywhere? That's my favorite, and I can't get it here. <laughs> it seems like it's like Blanton's. You have to know a guy. Yeah. Well, I do know a guy. His name's Ryan Quarles. <laughs> could, could you find me some anywhere? 
Uh, uh, no, it, 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 you know, in all, in all seriousness, to have brands like uh, uh, a Pappy, which is, yeah. you know, impossible to get. And you see it on the secondary markets mm-hmm. where it's going for thousands and thousands of dollars. That has to make you proud knowing that it's, it's something that's been grown and, and made right here in the state. That's right. And the collector community that, that I mentioned earlier, I mean, these guys and girls are even collecting uh, hand sanitizer from different distilleries that, that, that converted some of their alcohol hand sanitizers. And so I've been to many houses where there's a bourbon collection and then there's a Kentucky Proud hand sanitizer collection. And I think it's kind of kind of upon itself and not just about product. It's also the experience because a lot of people travel here on the bourbon trail. And that's a great thing because it brings in revenue and you're selling an experience, not just a drink as well. And we've, we've seen that really grow, right? The, the bourbon trail and these uh, a lot of tons of visitors more than I can remember even 10 years ago. That's right. And I can't give you the specific numbers, but but we have uh, the Bourbon Trail has expanded all the way to Pike County with uh, a dueling barrels facility and more and more distilleries are getting on board. And guess what? We actually have 70 farm wineries in Kentucky, too. And so a lot of folks plan distilleries, but also uh, uh, take time to visit a horse farm and a Kentucky Proud winery as well. And it's all working together with agritourism. Jimmy, you have a question for him, I think. Yeah, uh, Ron, Jim Perry here, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Let me uh, also get you to touch on the recent, uh, yesterday, they just allowed online sales. Uh, I'd like for you to touch on that as well, because I'm one of those guys that uh, knows a friend that knows a friend that would knock on the back door of a of a place in Cincinnati near the airport, and they would say, what are you shipping? And we'd say, uh, olive oil. I said, from Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> said, yes, sir. And they would say, that's all we need to know. And uh, then the, you know, later they would say, is there Pappy in there? And I said, I have to kill you if I tell you. So uh, touch on that for us, please. Well, I too have watched Godfather 2 and know what you mean by olive oil uh, exports. But, but look, uh, Kentucky, uh, we have a, it's a re- it's very regulated product. Uh, we had, at one point, we had over 80 different alcohol laws that regulated uh, alcohol production and sales in Kentucky. Each year, they become a little bit more simplified. And of course, we want to make sure that we promote uh, personal responsibility and uh, et cetera. But we also want to make sure that we make it a little bit easier for our companies um, and who employ Kentuckians to sell their goods and services uh, across state lines. And so I think online sales, especially during COVID-19, people may not be as apt to go out and visit that distillery or go to a store, a crowded store. Uh, to buy online. And so I think that the timing is good and uh, we'll be watching it closely. One thing I want to touch on before we let you go, uh, the other industry we haven't talked about a little bit, you, you touched on it just a bit of top hemp and yes. uh, in the marijuana growth in the state, medic- medicinally speaking, how has that helped? And do you see that expanding even more? There's no other state that has such a natural home for hemp than Kentucky. My great grandfather grew it on the banks of the Kentucky River to help out with the World War II effort as his son, my grandfather, uh, signed up after Pearl Harbor over 70 years ago. And so as we brought this crop back, we knew there'd be some growing pains. There's a natural curiosity at this crop. The cool thing that really sets it apart from corn, wheat, and soybeans, and even tobacco is that hemp has so many different uh, uses and purposes. It has a lot of variety to it. And so personally, I think there's a long-term market in Kentucky for, for our hemp producers. We just haven't stabilized the market yet. It's been a tough production year, but this year we had about 5,000 acres of hemp 
grown here in Kentucky. And the cool thing about it is we have a lot of entrepreneurs and innovators out there coming up with new and now legal products we sold in America. And so we're there trying to help people out while, while at the same time stressing the investing in what is still an experimental crop. What is the difference? And again, excuse me for my ignorance here. <laughs> but when you talk about like the CBD oils and stuff and hemp, is that kind of the same product? Yeah. So CBD oils are derived from hemp. And of course, the difference between hemp and marijuana is a legal definition defined by Congress, which really centers on the amount of THC uh, in the cannabis plant. But the cannabinoids, which come from the floral part of the plant, there's about 100 that we know of. CBD is just one of them. We think that there is a lot of potential out there, perhaps medical benefits. We, so, we certainly need more research on that. But we think this could be a breakout uh, uh, item for Kentucky uh, hemp processors if we're able to get the FDA to give us guidance on how these products will be regulated. So for me, we, we remind people of the risk, but there's a lot of potential here. And I think long-term, Kentucky will be an epicenter for not only hemp production, but also hemp processing. What's the next election for you? Is it 22, 23? My, <laughs> well, I, I don't know when the next, next election for me will be, but my Second term expires in 2023. It's been an honor of a lifetime to serve as commissioner of agriculture. This has been a dream job of mine since middle school. And uh, I just wake up every day really fortunate and blessed by God to have a job that combines public policymaking, a little bit of politics on the side, and, and a passion for the farm community that I grew up in. All right. If you can figure out in the next three years what those three counties were that you didn't win in 19... 19- <laughs> Let me know and I'll work on those for you, okay? Oh, I, I can tell you them right now, but we have a, we have a long way to go. But, but <laughs> agriculture is one of the few things that unites people together. Whenever you bread or perhaps have a bourbon together, it usually brings people together instead of divides them apart. Well, Dr. Quarles, really do appreciate you joining us. And uh, thank you so much. You've enlightened us on a lot of different things and uh, hopefully continues to grow in the next three years under you. Well, we appreciate that. And I have to ask you, Please put Kentucky Proud items on your holiday dinner tables or in your stocking stuffers uh, this fall. Help Kentucky farmers out. Visit kyproud.com. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So long from Lexington, Kentucky and our track kitchen.